It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. One of the newest shows here on the station. I think we are in show 13 or 14 maybe. So I've got a few months under my belt at this whole hosting a show thing. And I think it's going pretty well. I'm having fun. I'm learning a lot. I think that's really the point. I wanted to start this show and really focus in on beginning gardeners and people that are maybe intimidated by gardening. And we don't all know everything, that's for sure. But there's so many great resources and places to find just good garden knowledge and just good garden folks. I think gardeners are some of the kindest, most compassionate people I've ever met. And I've really found it a huge benefit to actually just help make social media a more bearable place. Sometimes you see so much negativity and judgment and political back and forth and bickering. But on Facebook, I've tried to create for myself and for my own timeline a little bit more of a, of a happy place. So I have found some really great garden groups that I've joined and people just sharing pictures of either things they're proud of and they get a lot of pats on the back and encouragement or people sharing things that they're just not sure what they are. And everybody comes to the rescue. Everybody has maybe a diagnosis or some help to give them. So that's what we want to be for you here on Green and Growing is just a place, no judgment, just help, advice, and even you can school me. Tell me a thing or two if I don't say something correctly or you have something to add that maybe, you know, I lacked giving some information to a caller. I'd love to hear from you. That's all very positive feedback and very positive encouragement. 404-872-0750. We've had a great show so far, and the rest of you are going to make this last hour really, really good. First, we are going to go up to North Fulton County and say good morning to Margaret in Johns Creek. Hey there. Hi, Ashley. Now you have kind of a sad situation, I'm afraid. I do. <laughs> I have a hydrangea in the backyard. I planted her last year, and she's not giving me any blooms, but she's beautiful. She's got beautiful green leaves, but no blooms. Now, right there, when you say that, that it's got a lot of green up on it, was it blooming in the nursery when you bought it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's usually the case. It's so tempting. They're so pretty. So what yeah. could be going on? Have you ever, uh, ever had a soil test done there, Margaret? No. One thing that's indicative of too much nitrogen in your soil mm -hmm. is that plants are going to do that because nitrogen goes up. Like it, it encourages the, the growth of the plant to go up and just flush mm -hmm. out a lot of green growth but not flowering. So your soil there may be high in nitrogen. So phosphorus, okay. the middle number, when, when we're looking okay. at the fertilizer numbers, phosphorus is really what it needs a little more of to promote okay. flowering. And bone meal is a product that you can buy to add phosphorus to the soil. But I don't want to tell yeah. you wrong and have you get chemistry and all crazy in your soil and, and me mess it up. So I'd get a free soil test done and just make sure that's the right place for it. And it's never okay. going to be too bad, you know, if you have to transplant it and just up and move it. And also when you yeah. did plant it, you want to make sure you've got a lot of sun, obviously, but hydrangeas, they really like more like morning sun, afternoon shade. Mm -hmm. So is it in the right situation there? Yeah, it is, actually. Okay. I moved it last year because it wasn't too much sun and started wilting. Yes. Then I moved it over back, you know, so it had more shade in the afternoon. So that perked it up. Okay. Oh, yeah. So one step at a time. Yeah. So you're you're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> and then make sure to going forward, I don't know how many more hydrangeas you've got in the landscape, but don't prune in the late summer or fall because that's going to remove oh. the flower buds that it's setting on. So that is like oh. the absolutely wrong time to prune oh. late summer or fall. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
Yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool. Yep. So, um, but yeah, do a soil test, Margaret. I know that's not easy, but that really just could be the case. Too much nitrogen in the soil. And once you kind of get that balanced out and can do some amendments there, I think you'll be really pleased. And then with the pruning, do I just not prune it at all? Now, do you have like the mop head, like the big floppy, you know, pink or or blue ones? Okay. Mm -hmm. So those bloom on old wood. And this is when I always get so confused. And anybody that wants to call and give me an easy way to remember it. I mean, I've been confused by this for years. So there, there is a good time to prune it, but it's like one of those things where, you know, when all the ugly stems and stalks are there, like in late winter, early Mm -hmm. spring, there's some that you can just remove and just yank them right out of the ground. But I don't want to tell you wrong. (laughs) I don't want to tell you wrong. So as far as pruning hydrangeas, I have never pruned mine. I've got it under an oak tree. It gets morning sun and it's just happy. And I'm just terrified of pruning it at the wrong time. So I don't know, Margaret, if you keep listening, someone more knowledgeable than I will call and help us both out and set us straight. I'll keep listening. You're doing a good job. Thank Thank you. you. I really appreciate the call. Good luck with that. 404-872-0750. Sally down in Fairburn. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Ashley. How are you today? I'm great. What are you looking to do? Well, I've got my mom's plants, my aunt's plants, my grandparents' plants around the house, and I've got poison ivy everywhere and I'm so allergic I have it for the second time yeah and is there a way I don't want to spray them and kill my mom's plant Mm -hmm. is there something I can do to or something I can use just that kills poison ivy or is there do I need to hire somebody just to pull it I mean they're in my mom's irises I don't yeah yeah, mine, mine too. Mine are crawling up a weeping cherry tree, which now I'm terrified to get anywhere close to, in my irises as well, in English ivy, which I enjoy the English ivy, but not when I'm tromping through it and see the poison ivy leaves. Sally, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Highly allergic, like I got it bad one time five years ago, and ever since then, that's just changed the chemistry of my body now. I overreact to it for sure. But one of the things, if there's any little bit of manual removal you can do, or anybody out there listening that's not highly allergic but still a little intimidated by it, Walter taught me you get the uh, plastic sleeve of the newspaper, you know, when the newspaper comes, or even just plastic bags from the grocery store. I literally put those over my hands, break in little holes for my fingers, but I rubber band those all the way up to the top of my elbow, and then I put my garden gloves on over that plastic bag if by chance I have to get in there. Like I was trying to cut an iris out the other day and I was just bound and determined to get in there. So I I looked like an idiot with grocery bags on my arms, but I didn't get poison ivy. So, But one of the products, I always hate to recommend a product first, Sally. It sounds like a cop-out. But if you are just highly allergic and you are overwhelmed, Bio-Advanced Brush Killer. That's what I'm using. That's what we just bought from the store two weeks ago. That's what I'm using. And I've had to kind of be selective on when I've used it because of the rain. Um, I want to use it on a day that it's dry and it's not going to rain for about two days. So maybe, you know, you want to wait till Monday or Tuesday since we are going to have some rain overnight tonight. But that has triclop here. That's the active ingredient that's not going to be as harmful as, say, glyphosate, which is in Roundup. Roundup's going to affect everything around it. So you can either use a pump sprayer and just be very meticulous about applying it. Or in the case of the irises, I know this sounds cheesy, but I would actually kind of brush it on. If you just have a wide, like, two-inch paintbrush and dip it in the, the pump sprayer, and just kind of paint it onto the bigger poison ivy leaves, I think that's probably going to be the way to go. That way you don't have any risk of drift or anything getting to something that you don't want it to affect. But triclopyr, that's the active ingredient that's going to be a little more selective with um, with 
with brushes and vines and things like that. And also for anybody who has some worry, I actually got a great email from a listener back about a month ago. I think her name is Julie. She had beautiful Boston ivy growing up and around the entire you know, length of her front door and it looked beautiful, but she could slowly see Virginia creeper coming in and poison ivy coming in. And she just wanted to be sure to properly identify those because a lot of people do see Virginia creeper and misidentify it as poison ivy. So visit my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. I created a great chart for Walter years ago there with poison sumac, poison oak, and poison ivy. Some some or not all of those are, you know, common in this area. I think poison sumac, you're not going to see that as much in Metro Atlanta, but a very definitive way to identify poison ivy and making sure that that's what you're treating and that's what you've got. And right now it's going through the stages of where the new growth comes on kind of red, almost like a burgundy, shiny burgundy color. And now a lot of that burgundy is slowly turning into the green leaf, the three green leaves that we know and identify and just the leaf shape that that's what that chart is so good for the the leaf shape is going to be able to really help you indicate that that's what you've got so good luck sally let me know that bio advanced brush killer if that's going to work for you 404-872-0750 up next is julie and jessup hey julie good morning hi ashley Uh, good morning ma'am uh i have uh a planter black planter a friend gave it to me but it doesn't have any drainage i don't see any holes in it and the other ones i have do have uh, drainage holes in it but the one without drainage i want to put a tomato in it will it grow it without drainage it will but it's going to be a lot more susceptible to different fungi when the soil oh. stays so wet so i i absolutely wouldn't do that i just i just wouldn't even waste your time if you wanted to plant something flowering that maybe has a lot more shallow root system I would recommend that. I know that's probably the ideal planter you've got your heart set on. It's probably the right size and all of that. Is it ceramic? No, ma'am. It's a black plastic. Uh, you can see you see them at the hard the the garden stores. Mm-hmm. It's black plastic. I don't know. It's about two feet high, two feet wide, and it. I've noticed doesn't have any drainage, and I'm wondering if I could drill a little hole in it. You maybe. can, yeah. If it's just that plastic, you're not going to risk, you know, cracking it or anything like that. So you could go at it with a screwdriver and a mallet, could you not, and just try to do that. Or if you have a drill, that's probably yeah. more ideal, and just use the yeah. right drill bit and drill. I would say three holes in the bottom to start. Three holes in the bottom, but it wouldn't grow too well uh, without the drainage. Right. No, I I just wouldn't even okay. try with that. Yeah, unfortunately. So yeah, if you can get in there just you know use a use a little hand drill or whatever get the drill bit in there and pop yeah. in three holes that's going to be your best best start i think i can do it thank you ashley i love it I thank you show hey thanks julie and call back in a couple months let me know how the tomato plants working out because i like the size of the pot i think that's sufficient okay yes ma'am thanks bye. have a great saturday morning you too bye right. good to hear from all of you and we're going to keep on rolling with calls it's eight eighteen. we will be right back on 95.5 wsb Join 95.5 WSB all day Friday as we say thank you to our healthcare heroes. Give a shout out to your favorite healthcare hero right now using the open mic feature on the WSB radio app. We are stronger together, Atlanta. We're back on Green and Growing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another half hour of the show to go. And Dave Baker is already knocking the door down, ready to be in here for the Home Fix-It show at 9 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in. I want to update you on the weather, what to expect if you're just waking up and want to know 
The afternoon's going to be okay. It'll be cloudy, but we do have a chance for isolated showers or a thunderstorm afternoon, mainly north of I-20. So those folks in north metro Atlanta, a storm with hail and strong winds not out of the question later on today. High around 78, low around 53 tomorrow. Mix of sun and clouds, no rain in the forecast, and then it'll be a nice day on Monday. So Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz will have your complete forecast coming up in less than 10 minutes. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Usually I give you three. Just three things to start you off in the yard this weekend if you're kind of unaware of what to be doing. Today, four. I just found a fourth one that was way too good. Begin planting summer blooming bulbs now. You can get out there playing the dirt a little bit. I just moved some amaryllis from Christmas from inside my home. I put those out in the yard, and I'm hoping to see some blooms on those. But gladiolas, dahlias, caladiums, if you'd overwintered the caladiums, now's a great time to put those out. Number two, you can fertilize patio pots and hanging baskets with high-nitrogen water-soluble fertilizer about every two weeks to keep them actively growing with hanging baskets and pots on the deck and things like that. Just remember to always check the moisture with the rain that we've had. I don't think that's a problem now, but going on into the hotter months, that may be something you want to be aware of. Three, prune spring flowering shrubs and vines immediately to reshape them. So that can include encore azaleas. You invest in those because you want numerous flushes of blooms on those. So now is a good time to take off some of the wilted flowers now on that. And winter jasmine, that's a vine that could use some pruning. And number four, just because I love you and it's a good Saturday morning, look out for powdery mildew on rose stems and leaves. Right now, a lot of you are seeing it on the stems, almost right up underneath where the bud is. All they need, all the powdery mildew needs to be, you know, on set. Daytime temperatures above 60 and humidity. So we've had both of those. That also could be affecting, though, azaleas and dogwoods, crepe myrtle, rhododendron. To treat, just remove the affected parts of the plant if you're getting to it early enough. Avoid overhead watering and apply a fungicide as soon as you start to notice that. 404 I'm not going to lie. I really like Tony in College Park's question about his grapevine and why it's not blooming. I'm going to need to do some research in on that. But, Tony, I don't want you to go anywhere. Give me 10 minutes. we got to do a newscast and all of that, and I will answer that question. And Brian and Milton, does he need to add a fertilizer before he plants? Depends on what you're planting and what your soil test revealed. So we'll talk to Brian as well. And you, hopefully, 404-872-0750 here on Green and Growing. And if you're just joining us, you've missed a fun show. We started off in the first hour talking about some insects and things that you're seeing outside right now, including fire ants and mites and lace bug, things like that. And Cal Ripken Jr., for those of you that are baseball fans, the retired Hall of Famer from the Baltimore Orioles, joined me at 7 o'clock to talk about a strikeout hunger initiative he's working on and garden memories out the wazoo. There were so many. I had to edit our interview down for time, but that was fantastic. If you enjoy baseball, you want to go back on wsbradio.com on Monday. Go to the on-demand section. You can listen to each hour of the show, and including you, if you call in, 404-872-0750. We'll be back on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB.
Green and growing on 95.5 WSB. 55 degrees outside. It's going to warm up a little bit, but look out for some rain in the forecast today. I'm looking outside over my shoulder right now. Yeah, it's not raining yet. So I think you do have some time late this morning, early afternoon to get out there and do stuff in the yard for sure. 404-872-0750. Really enjoyed hearing from all of you this morning. Keep it going. We still have another half hour to go. Call in 404-872-0750. But first, this is the time of the show when we hear from Pike Nursery about just the wonderful things they're doing and how you can become a customer, the things that you'll want to do in your yard. So good morning to Kara Ziegler. How are you, Kara? I'm doing great this morning. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you called. Thank you for taking the time to let our listeners know what's going on today. So things are a little different at Pike Nursery, but nevertheless, you are still there for your customers, right? Yes, we are still here. Our in-store experience is suspended right now, but we are in the process of implementing new safety measures, and we're looking towards opening some locations May 1st. So just follow up with us on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll have updates throughout the week. But right now, if you still need things, you can request products online for delivery or curbside pickup, and all of our locations are allowing walk-ups from 9 to 5 daily. See, that's great. That's great. You can still have the nursery experience, but do so at a safe distance and safely. And yeah, folks, if you go to pikenursery.com, it's right there. There's a new form when you see request online, get started. And if you know the plants that you need and the quantities that you need, you're going to be able to get them there. And Kara, correct me if I'm wrong, though. If I had a question about a plant or if it was, in fact, you know, just trying to find out if it was the right thing for me or maybe still some recommendations, I can still call my nursery and kind of get that information, right? Absolutely. Call any of our locations and we can answer all of your gardening questions still. That is correct. Yeah, because I know so many of our listeners and your customers, they miss you guys. Like they just, (laughs) their spring and their summer is made when they get to interact with your employee owners and just, you know, have that one-on-one. So that is still a possibility when you call your local Pike Nursery. Now, what you want to talk to us about today, we've talked about gardening and providing your own, you know, food for your family. So something you've got today is going to be really fun. Yeah, today uh, we're going to talk a little bit about blueberries. Blueberries are a great addition to your to your victory garden, to your tomatoes and veggies that you've been planting this season. They're great because, you know, not only are they beautiful, they have gorgeous flowers early in the spring, and then you get your blueberries in the summer, and then you have really great fall color in the fall. And, you know, they're, they have anti-aging properties. They're super nutrient-rich. They're great for you, and they're actually very easy to grow. That's great. And, yeah, and pots on the, on the decks or, you know, patios, balconies, things like that, and out in the yard, too. And we did have a caller a little while ago, Kara, who wanted to plant them out in the yard and kind of almost wanted them to become like a shrub form or a hedge form, but it, an area that did not really get six hours of sun. So that's pretty important, right, to get the right amount of sun? Yeah, it's very important for them because, you know, there are several different types that you can plant, and the ones that go in the garden do make a, a pretty large plant and will produce a lot of, of berries, but you've got to have that six hours of sun for them to be successful, Yeah, for sure. And two types for people just starting off, what are two really easy types that they can look for when they go look at the labels? Well, the rabbit eye type is actually native to the southeast, which is great because it tends to be very drought tolerant and very easy to grow. The rabbit eyes are large, so you spoke to planting them out in the garden, so you do need a good bit of space for those. And then there are several varieties such as Climax and Tiff Blue. Uh, They tend to bloom 
earlier than the high bush and have a little bit longer in the ripening. And then the other variety are the high bush types. They tend to be smaller plants. So if you've got a balcony area, like you mentioned earlier, where you have your six hours of sun, you can plant varieties such as pink icing. And there's this really neat variety called jelly bean that only gets <laughs> about two feet tall. <laughs> and uh, the high bush are actually the a sweeter uh, blueberry than the rabbit eyes are. And so the jelly bean is just like its name. It's a small and very sweet. That's neat. Yeah, the names like that, jelly bean and pink icing. I mean, how could you go wrong? Like those are going to be some really sweet blueberries. <laughs> well, Kara, that's awesome. I hope we've inspired folks to try that. That's just such a fun, easy one, especially like you said, out on a deck, something you don't have to go far to get your harvest. Where can folks find you guys on social media and online when they want to shop? Yeah, so come to our Facebook page. We've got an Instagram page, and go to pikenursery.com. And if you get on that, you can get our online form and any of our phone numbers for our stores. And we would be glad today, like I said, we're open for 9 to 5 at the door, so you can come right up to our door as well, and we will get you a blueberry. Yeah, it's like having someone shop for you. How easy is that? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We have plenty of varieties of them right now. So come on down to our stores, and we'll help you out. Thank you so much for taking the time to call this morning. We really appreciate it, Kara. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. And last weekend, we had Desiree Hyman from Pike Nursery as well talking about an edible pizza garden. So that was a fun idea, too. Now is the time to start thinking about those tomato plants, some oregano, some basil, some things you could be doing to make a pizza with the kids. How fun. 404-872-0750 is the number on Green and Growing down to Peachtree City. Hey there, Alice. Good morning. Alice, are you there? Well, I'm not sure. Oh, yes, you <laughs> are mean, there. There you are. We found you. <laughs> well, this is not Alice. I'm Ironelle, but oh, that's wow. all right. And not even um, close. Well, Ironelle, what's going on? Well, I have a. I live in the edge of Peachtree City, uh, a private area near the a pond, and there's hordes of deer, and they usually uh, dine on the hostas. Mm-hmm. I was wanting to um, change to elephant ears. Do you know if they are drawn to them or not? In my experience, I've I've had really good success planting closely with my elephant ears, canna lilies as well, and the deer have never touched them. The leaf is a little bit tougher. I, I'm sure it's going to taste a little bit different, and the texture is a little bit different than hostas too. Um, I'm sure somewhere in Metro Atlanta, someone listening right now has probably had a deer that's eaten just about everything. But in my experience, they've not really bothered the elephant ear. But if that is a route you want to go, I would still recommend you try it. And Melorganite is a fertilizer that we recommend a lot. A, it's a slow-release fertilizer, so, I mean, it's just good for general all-purpose stuff in the yard. But it's made by a company up in Wisconsin, I believe. It's almost like sewage. I mean, they take sewage, and I don't know how they do it, but... It, it smells awful. So that well, has good. always been one of my great deer repellents around things that I don't want them to touch. Okay. Maybe it won't be appetizing then. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And if you do okay. start off with the elephant ear, you know, I would go ahead and do the melorganite just as a slow-release fertilizer first. And that way, maybe if the deer were to even approach the elephant ear, they would just naturally associate now that smell of the melorganite with the elephant ear and then maybe we'd trick them you know in seasons to come and they'd be like oh yeah that's the thing that smelled really bad i don't want to go after that so i think you'll be okay thank you so much for the call ironell we appreciate that 404 brian and milton good morning you're on green and growing 
Hey, good morning, Ashley. Hey. Uh, I, I've done the uh, soil testing from my raised vegetable planting bed, good. and the recommendation came back, you know, to add some 34-0-0 and some 10-10-10. My question is, when's the best time to add that? Do I need to add that a week or two ahead of the plants? just so they don't burn, or is it safe to do it at the same time? Or So the recommendation for the first one was a very high nitrogen number, right? You said 34? Right, okay. right. Yeah, so that meant the, the soil that you had in there was really lacking in a lot. So I feel best doing it about a week before planting. Um, okay. I, I really feel good about just putting it in there, mixing it all in, you know, using your compost or whatever, whatever other organic materials you plan on doing and just kind of allowing all of that to rest. I know some people get over eager and want to put coffee grinds and all this stuff right then, right then as as a plant is put in the ground. And I just think that's a lot for the plant to, you know, acclimate to. So you're still not behind. You're still doing great on timing. I think you've got your time to do that. Let it get rained in maybe once or twice, and then I would feel safer about doing it. And don't put, you know, if you do, any of you who are used to using the fertilizer as you plant, don't put it in the hole. You always just want to work it, you know, throughout the soil, not making that one hole so nutrient rich that when the plant grows and the roots are stimulated and they grow, then they get out of that hole and out of that area where there's not as much fertilizer and that's just not healthy for the plant. So yeah, I think you're, I think you're on a good start. Perfect. Great. Thanks so much. What, what are you planting, Brian? I'm just curious. Everything. Yeah, good. Tomatoes, uh, peppers, uh, gosh, okra. It's our first year for okra, so... Did you do the okra from seed, or do you have plants? So I did it from seed. Me too. And that too. was another question, because they're kind of thin, and I don't know when's the best time to transplant them from my little uh, seed start. I did too, and Brian, you and I both, I think next year, let's buy okra plants, because that was way <laughs> like, I mean, I watched the tomatoes do well from seed, and the pepper, and then the okra, like I had a couple good ones, and the tiny little, you know, yellow heart-shaped leaves start, and then yep. just all of a sudden, the stem went limp, and I don't know... <laughs> What the heck I did to them? But yeah, I've got one good okra out of like 18 seeds. So I was, while they're in the seed pellets, you know, and they're they're in the tray, I was fertilizing with a half diluted, just general, you know, miracle Grow type fertilizer once a week. Yeah, and that, yeah, that still didn't seem like enough. So um, Brian, next year, let's just go with plants. I was so disappointed in that too. I was looking forward to okra, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to try it again. I don't know. Well, good. Call me back over the summer and let me know how everything's going because you and I are going to have very similar gardens. Okay, thanks so I much. I love it. Okay. Have a good Saturday. Thanks so much for calling. All right, we've got time for one more before we take a break. Let's talk to Art out in Douglasville. Hey there, Art. Hey, uh, good morning. Um, my question is... Uh, I have about they're about ten or eleven year old rose bushes in the front of my house, in front of my porch, and they and they they look good even right now they look good. But what I have been noticing is it just seems when you go down towards the base, like let's just say there was three main stems coming out, now there's two, and I'm wondering is is the rose bush dying or am I pruning wrong? Am I this fall or this winter am I better just to cut them all the way back to the base? Like I see some landscapers do that sometimes and. It just seems like the plants come back really healthy. And yeah. um, I, I feel like I'm losing them. That's just my question. Pruning is definitely not mandatory, but it does help invigorate the plant for sure. So with any kind of hedge rows like that, I try to remember to do it around Valentine's Day. And you're absolutely right. I mean, cutting it back to 10 inches off the ground or even 12 inches high, there's, there's no harm in that at all. But it worries me that you have like almost a trunk dying at a time. That's kind of what you described, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I would honestly check. I mean, right now the flowers or the leaves and stuff could be looking good, but I would almost check the root system too and just make sure there's nothing that's going up under that, whether it's like a mole tunneling or a vole or something like that starting to loosen up the roots. Like step your foot around the base of it and just make sure it's still pretty tight in the ground. Um, and then, okay. and then after that, yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely get into a good pruning regimen because it could be that those stems, those trunks are just giving out because they're not getting enough air circulation and they can't sustain the leaves, you know, to keep the rose healthy. So right now, just keep it watered, water it at the base, you know, when it starts to dry out and we have dry spells coming up this summer, water it at the base rather than overhead, use a good fertilizer, but also just be very pest aware as well. Stay ahead of any pests. They may start living on the undersides of the leaves, and you're going to have your best chance at keeping it healthy. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Art. And one other thing, too, folks are very common to see this with knockout roses, that rose rosette. And, Art, if you listen to Walter Reeves for any length of time, rose rosette is a disease that could definitely come on. And especially if you have 10, I would be very vigilant about watching for that as soil soil borne. And it starts to, folks will notice that this year as we get into summertime, a really gnarly looking, rusted, curly, twisted growth now at the tips of the stems of rose bushes. And once rosette starts to set in, it's fatal to the plant. So that's just something else. I'm not saying that's what Art has, but that's something else to keep in mind with roses, just to be vigilant about what you've got. 849, we'll have time for more of your calls coming up. We'll be back on Green and Growing. It's Scott Slade. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Yeah, you can. We are way more places than just your radio dial, whether you're in the house or in the car. So many devices, so many ways to keep you in touch with WSB. I appreciate you joining me this morning and listening to the show. we got another few minutes, but first, a weather update from Finley Roofing. Today, a few isolated showers, mainly north of I-20, but a storm could be brewing with hail, strong winds. That's not out of the question. A high of 78 today. Tomorrow, a mix of sunshine and clouds, breezy and cool. Lows in the mid-40s. So stay tuned for Brad Nitz, Channel 2 Action News Meteorologist forecast here in just a few minutes. Ron, I'm going to end the show with you calling from down in Tyrone. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. So what's going on with the peach tree? I hope it's nothing bad. Uh, yes, uh, I, I would like to know how can I protect my fruit uh, peach tree from worms? Yes, that is that is crucial. Now, what experience have you had with them in the past, or are you just trying to be proactive? Um, a little bit of both. I've had problems in the past, and, and I'm trying to find ways to be proactive. Um, I'm having worms that are actually on the, the peaches itself. Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind there is plum curculio, and those little guys are awful. It's a snout beetle, and he digs his little nose into your your peaches and plums, and then they start to rot, and that's awful because you've come so far with the fruit, and then it just starts to fall off and rot because of that little guy. So spinosad is one of the products that can be used to treat pests on peach trees. Spinosad, it gets into their nervous systems, and that is organic as well. So something with spinosad is the main ingredient that you're going to want to look at. An example would be Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. That's something that's safe for home orchards. And also insecticidal soap. That just, the timing on that, I would always have that on hand, but the timing of that just depends on what cycle the, um, 
the home orchard is in, whether it's leafing out, whether it's blooming. You never want to apply an insecticide when the flowers are open and just blooming because it needs the pollinators. If you'll hang on, Ron, I want to get your email address. I'm going to send you a great spray schedule from Washington State University, but the University of Georgia's got one too. You definitely want to follow that and stay on top of there's always a season to be spraying, so I want to help you out with that. Thank you so much, everyone, for the calls and for the very nice comments on Facebook. Please continue staying in touch with me on Facebook. Search my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. You'll find it there. I post a lot of fun pictures, things to do with the kids, and you'll have a link to listen to my interview with Cal Ripken Jr. Oh, my God, that was like the highlight of my week this week. Hall of Famer from the Baltimore Orioles. He had some gardening stories, and it was just a fantastic half hour with him. You'll find links to that on my Facebook page. Be well. Have a great weekend. Continue to stay safe and do what's right. Stay home. We'll talk to you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.